Hi, this is Trina Green Brown with Parenting for Liberation. Hi, this is Cecilia Caballero from Chicana Motherwork. And we are here together in beautiful Detroit at the Allied Media Conference 2017. And we just finished our Mothering the Revolution workshop on Friday afternoon. And we wanted to just talk a little bit about what the workshop was, how it felt, how it went, what was the audience engagement, and also we want to share some recordings that we did at the end of the session where we invited the folks in the room to share what Mothering the Revolution meant to them and what it looks like. And so let's get into it. So our session, um, we had like an agenda planned out for the session. Uh, Trina made a beautiful PowerPoint. And um, so the things that we talked about, um, we talked about, um, we introduced ourselves, we did our intros, we talked about our projects, a Chicana mother work and parenting for liberation. We talked about. Uh, we also shared the similarities between our projects and how they're like independent, media-based, digital storytelling kinds of projects. We talked. We discussed the question. You know, why mothering and, and what mothering the revolution means to our audience. And then we also um, had a breakout session with these questions. And then after the breakout sessions. Um, there were three groups, and then um, one person from each group came and you know did a shareback, and then these um, the sharebacks were recorded for this podcast, this special mini podcast, and um, we're gonna play those recordings after our discussion and our thoughts about you know how the panel went. And um, Trina, if you want to add that, yeah. So one thing that Cecilia and I were talking about after. The session, we had dinner, and we were just thinking, like, how did that go for you? How did that go for you? What was interesting was that we were in a mixed race group, and that was not necessarily new for me. I've been in lots of mixed race groups, especially in the Violence Against Women's movement. And when I talk about Parenting for Liberation, I'm normally or typically spending a lot of time explaining to non-black parents specifically white folks, like the significance of white supremacy in the lives of black parents. And I'm naming some of the harms that white dominant culture have had on black parents and their children. And so I spend a lot of time praising, uplifting, and celebrating black parents in front of white folks so that they can see the power of black parents and also understand the, the, the burden and the struggle um, of raising black children in American society. And so while that's familiar for me, what wasn't familiar for me was to be in a small group, because we had around 15 to 20 folks attend our session, um, to be in a small intimate group with mixed race, in a mixed race space and have folks really sharing their own parenting stories or mothering stories who are black and brown and people of color and also non-people of color also sharing their experiences. That was new for me because um, I'm not really used to engaging with folks who are non-black around their parenting stories um, so much because I really, in my work, really want to center the 
black parenting for liberation. So that was interesting. And in our go around, you know, folks really got really deep and personal about their experiences. And it was interesting to hold space for white folks who are struggling with their own parenting um, in the space when it really was intentionally, our work is intentionally for supporting and holding space for black and Chicana and people of color who are parenting. So that was interesting. So you want to add to that? Yeah, I guess when Trina and I were planning for the panel, because both of our projects do center, you know, Trina, specifically black parents and black mothers, and then our project, you know, Chicana, but then in that word. So um, I identify as Afro-Chicana, but so I kind of navigate multiple identities. But um, Chicana mother work is also for, you know, women of color, parents of color, or anyone who does, you know, mothering or caretaking labor, you know, beyond, um, you know, beyond like a biological definition of mothering. So this, that discussion also came up in the discussions as well. So what does mothering look like, uh, you know, for trans folks, non-binary folks, folks who don't have biological children. So, um, but I, so when we planned our session, you know, this didn't even enter into my mind at all. So <laughs> the um, so when we were going, you know, we were sharing, you know, why we were here, and there we did have um, a white mother in the audience who um, cried when she was speaking about her child. And I think for me, um, unlike Trina, most of the presentations I've done in the past for Chicana mother work are specifically mostly about um, for mothers of color, people of color, you know, predominantly, you know, Latinx. So, um, so for me, you know, it's like, so then this happened and, you know, so my mind was just like, oh, like I wasn't, I didn't plan or imagine like white tears happening in this space. So, you know, I know that, you know, we need white mothers who are about social justice, you know, how they raise their kid, their white children. Um, and then that was like an, one of another point that came up during the breakout sessions. You know, it is important, but um, at the same time, like agreeing with Trina, like I just didn't expect that kind of, I didn't envision this space to be like solidarity building between uh, women of color mothers and then white mothers. So um, I think that kind of um, threw me off a little bit just because that has not happened in the past spaces I've been since it's been predominantly um, people of color. But at the same time, um, I do, because AMC is a, a social justice organization, I assume that um, white people who do attend AMC um, are already familiar with like, already involved or familiar with like social justice movements and language and you know, um, praxis, like things like that. So um, I think for the space of AMC, you know, giving them the benefit of the doubt that they came with their best intentions, but then it was still kind of difficult for me to like navigate that on the spot, I guess, just because um, I had never done something like that before. Yeah, and I wonder if that had an impact on the engagement, because that start that happens kind of early on in the session. Um, and yeah, when I think about the work that I'm doing to support black parents to have their children be liberated, um, or to parent their children for liberation, and in one of the breakout sessions, it came up again around that white mothers also need to raise their, their children to be liberated. And that raises up so many questions for me, right? I think, yes, all folks should be liberated. And when I think about why I'm intentionally doing this work so that parents can parent their children from liberation and not from fear, that the true fears that black parents and parents of color face around their children not surviving 
being taken from them or snatched or killed or murdered are so real. And that fear, that worry, that struggle, it's a struggle that white mothers don't have to deal with. And so when I say I want us to parent, shift from parenting out of fear, there's so much historical trauma and historical reality of violence. Um, our communities have been under siege. Our children's lives has always been at risk. That it's a real fear that we have to overcome to say, okay, I'm not going to let this fear hold me and my children back. I'm going to parent my child for liberation. That to say that white mothers need to parent their children for liberation is this, it's it's interesting and it's tricky. I think I think that I was on a podcast that I have that's going to be live soon with Neil Irving. He shares that actually when you think about what it means to parent white children, that white children roam freely and explore. And he was describing the scenario of like the white kid that you see at the mall who's like climbing on everything and touching everything and without much reprimand because that is actually what it is to be a child. It's to explore, to be free, to and that the what the message that the white mother's communicating to her child in that space and in that in that example is that the world is yours, right? Like you're free to roam. And so I know as a black parent and even growing up as a black child that I wasn't given that freedom to just roam and be carefree because there were so many things that could happen, so much fear at stake. And so our parents wanted to keep us safe. And that tracks all the way back to, you know, Emmett Till, for example, who who had more freedoms in Chicago and went to visit the South and realized that actually you don't have the freedom to walk and look at people and to just be a carefree black boy because you can get lynched or killed. And so and so I do while I do think the both and I do think that white parents should be liberating their children. I think that in that liberation it should be around racial consciousness and an acknowledgement of privilege and um, a real commitment to dismantling white supremacy is what it means to parent white kids for liberation. So sorry to go down that rabbit hole of like centering whiteness on a podcast that is for people of color and mothers of color. Um, but I just think I wanted to name what the real fears are and that like we do have genuine and serious needs and reasons to really center parents of color because we are dealing with a whole nother level of why we want and need to parent our kids from liberation and for the revolution because we need the revolution for our kids to be whole and free. And yeah, so I think, you know, as Trina said, so I agree with everything that she said. Um, so, you know, parents of color, specifically black parents have to deal um, with state violence, police violence, police brutality um, on an everyday. It's never ending. So I think for, um, for us, like, because we did, so we did have um, a few other white mothers, I think, at the session. So, you know, and I don't know if that kind of, as you said, Trina, maybe if that set the tone, because it seemed like, you know, Trina commented after the session that it seemed kind of like quiet or like, or this was like before the breakout session, or maybe Trina said maybe they were introverted, which I'm an introvert. So <laughs> like, I have to really force myself even to like, moderate um, panels, even having, you know, the Chicana Mother podcast, I really, really have to push myself to, you know, be more um, outspoken and active. Um, I'm much more comfortable with writing. Um, but, you know, so we were like, well, are, were they introverted? Like, you know, there was kind of like quiet or like the energy, you know, I think it, I think overall I took a, away a lot from it and I think it was good. But then 
maybe it's like that unspoken kind of like whiteness that because Trina and I both, you know, as I mentioned earlier, I was just imagining just mostly like parents of color or people of color or people who engage with parenting. So um, maybe, maybe that's why, you know, I'm not really sure, but, um, but I did think when we did the shift to the breakout sessions that there, it was much more lively, like the groups were having a lot of conversation and then, you know, they were writing on like the big post-it uh, posters on the wall with like markers. And then we came back together and, you know, reported back. So um, I think that, Maybe that next half of it, um, just because there was more engagement, I think it seemed to go uh, better. But then I still had that, um, I was still thinking about like what it meant to have, you know, people of color and then white people in the same space. Um, and then for next time, you know, uh, I think maybe um, if this, if I do a session like this in the future, um, maybe I can account for that in a different way instead of just being surprised <laughs> and like not really knowing, you know, how to like move forward in a way, you know, to make the most of the session. But I think we did. I think we tried our best and um, I was happy to collaborate with Trina and all the participants. Yeah. And so, yeah, next time we'll just be a little bit more explicit and name. I think we did name up front that our work centers parents and mothers of color. Um, but we maybe should have given a little bit more guidance as to how we wanted white folks to show up in the space, that this wasn't a solidarity space, that this is really a space that we're holding for parents and mothers of color, of people of color who are parenting or caregiving. And I think we should just be more explicit about that in the future. And I think we learned. But we do want to share with you what folks did talk about in the breakout groups because there was some lively discussion um, around what does mothering the revolution mean to folks um, what does it look like? How can we try it? What are some practices that we can um, exchange and share with one another? And how can movements really create spaces that are accessible for our children? And shout out to AMC for their Child Care Collective. It was named as an example of how we can not only just bring our kids, but have our kids receive curriculum and learn together. So here are the audio recordings. My name is Shayla. So we talked about mothering um, the revolution for survival, for wisdom, um, ancestral guidance, nurturing and fostering those ideas in children, um, the concept of Mother Earth and protecting all life, um, and also remembering that, you know, the enemy, white supremacists, um, you know, white supremacy as a concept is also raising and mothering their children and those ideas and, con you know, continuing those ideas. Um, being sure to include children in um, spaces that encourage revolution um, and being intentional about it. Um, remembering the idea that all humans are born or are birthed. Um, thinking about uh, mothering as something that's not exclusive to, to women um, or necessarily even to parents. Um, and then general concepts of acceptance, collective protection, uh, helping to cultivate skills and talents that can enhance and nurture self-love in children, um, insisting on their personhood um, and honoring their wisdom, um, not, you know, dismissing their, you know, their, um, all the talking that they do. <laughs> um, <laughs> maintaining a trying to help maintain a connection to their culture, to their heritage, to their language, et cetera. 
um, deconstructing and dismantling white supremacy and colonialism, um, respecting the diversity of mothering mothers and styles of mothering um, among humanity, and viewing motherhood as community or collective work and responsibility. My name is Fong. Um, something that I, I borrowed from uh, Revolutionary Mothering, the anthology, um, which was an excerpt from June Jordan and how children can reinvent our world and how mothers are the ones to guide them to do that. And so um, we also talked about how anyone can mother and how that can, was um, reclaimed from a noun to a verb in, in that same book. And so we really liked that concept. Um, and, you know, I think we can be also proud to center uh, the work of women, the labor of women that is primarily um, who, who are the ones who mother, although we also want to embrace the fact that mothering can be done by anyone, but let's, let's be real, women are mainly the ones doing it. And so we want to um, hold, center that, hold space for women in our movements. Um, we want to embrace their leadership in our movements. So that's why Mothering the Revolution is, is something that's important. Um, we also uh, talked about how um, there's so few visible named models of people who create nurturing spaces and the importance of mothering um, a nurturing space for the possibility of children in the movement. Um, mothering in itself is a revolutionary act and how especially mothering children of color who are undervalued are not meant to exist in this current system um, of uh, white supremacist capitalist patriarchy. Importance of stepping back from kids and the movement to be ho a whole person. Um, and also um, we talked about mothering white children and with the awareness of racial justice and racial accountability. And then at the end, we kind of um, really briefly touched on why, what do we need, what do we mean by mothering? Because care work can be done by anyone. You don't want to naturalize nurturing as, as only, you know, what women, as women work or women's labor. So how do we reconcile that concept of, of nurturing for everyone, but also still using the language of mother. <laughs> so my name is Alyssa, um, and well, I'm really grateful for this presentation, but to me, revolutionary mothering is also the decision and ability to decide when you are not ready to have children or autonomy for when you are ready, and then all the ways that it can be revolutionary mothering um, to give up your child for adoption, and I'm a child of adoption. So for me, um, in reconnecting with my birth mother, her form of revolutionary mothering was the difficult decision to give me up for adoption in a country that was suffering through a dictatorship um, during Pinochet's Chile um, era. So to me, revolutionary mothering 
can manifest itself in a myriad of ways um, that one part of it is the parenting of children, but it can be all the complexities of giving up children or deciding to not have children and mother in other ways. Um, Alicia. Um, we just started talking about answering the question in terms of mothering the revolution. So what is it? I mean, it's powerful. It's impactful. Um, and really focus on making the connections that impact change, that um, impact the world. Um, and this whole fear to liberation. So, yes, I think we all have fear raising our kids in the society because of media and everything we see and everything we read. But, you know, taking that fear and leading to liberation instead of taking that fear and letting it take over us and have that deficit effect on us. Um, and then we kind of moved into, so my big thing is like, okay, I get it. I can read theory. I can read history. But now what? How do we get ourselves to action? So what strategies do we have? You know, mother yourself. Like, self-care. How important is that? Um, so we found that to be very important. Um, and, you know, let go of the baggage. Like, let go of what people tell you or tell you what you should do or who you should be or you had a kid out of wedlock or you had a kid when you were young and a teenager and I can still be a PhD student. I can still go into academia. I can do what I want. Um, and stop the comparing and we just kind of talked about like Facebook and how we feel like we're not that good of a parent because we're not at the park at 12 o'clock with our kids having organic peanut butter sandwiches. Um, you know, so... Um, but just stop the comparison because you only see their highlights. You don't see what's going on backstage. Um, and, you know, you are doing enough. Like, as a parent, you are doing enough. Like, you're loving your kids. You're exposing them to new things. You're giving these experiences. Like, you are enough. And we talked about you don't have to have a big home. You can have a one-bedroom apartment, and they still live this fulfilled life. Um, and then just, you know, take a stance and be involved in activism. So that's what we said. Um, I like that your group shared strategies, but not only strategies, it sounded like affirmations. It wasn't like what you could do differently. It was like, actually, you got this. You're doing it, right? Like a mother, mothering or nurturing or caring is kind of a, um, it's some, somewhat more intuitive, right? Like there's the theory and the here's the why and the historical data, but then also like what's intuitive? What's in your gut? What is your intuition telling you? Like how, do you, how are you called from like a different part of your being, right? And so... How do we get in tune with that piece of us, right? The mother, the caregiver, the nurturer that's inside of us. Um, to one, I really love to like nurture yourself, care for yourself, mother yourself, because we are all still somebody's child. Like we are all still growing and evolving. It's an ongoing forever, ever, ever process um, and that we are doing it and we got it. And if you feel like you don't, like turn to your peers, like turn to other folks who can affirm you, lift you up, and also hold you accountable when you like, like we need also some accountability because we're not perfect, but we're trying our best. And so we can't beat ourselves up. I appreciate y'all. Any folks have additional things to share? One of the things that we want to do is, you know, as we're like building this movement. So, you know, as um, Trina mentioned earlier, not one of us or not one single group has the entire solution to, you know, all of the issues that we're facing. But we all have pieces of the solution, so how can we draw our pieces and our resources together? So um, I, I'm all about resources, I love them. So I have uh, lots of recommendations. Um, Maya Gonzalez is another children's book writer who really takes, you know, one of her characters is like a non-binary character of color. Um, not this one, this one she just released called When a Bully is President and it's in English and Spanish. 
Um, this one is uh, explaining like slavery to children. Um, and then all the coloring books, which there's, they're also being sold uh, here. Um, and I don't know if y'all saw in the exhibition room, but there's um, the vendor who's selling like onesies that says too cute to be binary. Did y'all see that? So I love it. So I mean, any child is born with no gender, right? It's like as they're socialized or as they choose to identify themselves uh, later on. So um, I love that. And um, there's also a zine, I think I'm looking through, someone recently brought to my attention called um, Decolonizing Parenting. And this is from a queer indigenous perspective uh, by and for queer parents of color. So um, those were some thoughts just for follow-up. But yeah, thank you again. Thank you. Thank you. So my name is Alyssa. Um, and well, I'm really grateful for this presentation, but to me, revolutionary mothering is also the decision and ability to decide when you are not ready to have children or autonomy for when you are ready. And then all the ways that it can be revolutionary mothering, um, to give up your child for adoption. And I'm a child of adoption. So for me, um, and reconnecting with my birth mother, her form of revolutionary mothering was the difficult decision to give me up for adoption in a country that was suffering through a dictatorship um, during Pinochet's Chile um, era. So to me, revolutionary mothering can manifest itself in a myriad of ways. Um, that one part of it is the parenting of children, but it can be all the complexities of giving up children or deciding to not have children and mother in other ways. So um, here we're, we're happy to share the recordings from the session that we did from our participants. Um, there was a lot of strategies that we shared. There was a lot of um, also agreements, but also even some um, critiques or things that we can improve um, as we all move collectively toward this goal of um, mothering the revolution or you know parenting for liberation. I think each piece gets us closer to the collective ideal that we all want to get to for um, black children and children of color and for ourselves. And um, just to close out, I want to give a special shout out to China Martins. And she has also kind of been like a mother of the revolution and all of the incredible work that she's done for you know over 20 years. And um, so shout out to China. And she's nurtured uh, our projects, Trina and myself. So um, thank you, Trina. And she's also the one that was instrumental in helping us um, get onto the kids and caregivers track for AMC for this year. So we hope you enjoyed this podcast. Um, we'll, we're looking forward to any feedback. And thank you all for listening.